Good morning again to everyone. I'd like to welcome you again to the Village Church. And if you have your Bible, please open it to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses, verses 11 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. The church isn't property. The church isn't programs. The church is people. People. Now, I know there are properties, there are programs, but those things should not lead us to forget that the church is people. People in community together. And that's one of the things that's easy to forget, if you remember the sermon from last week. We easily forget that. And that's why we sometimes don't appreciate her, the church. We misunderstand her, and we often take her for granted. And that's why we, that's why she's the most undervalued member of the gospel league. We reduce the church to just being the building, the property, and all the programs that the church does. And that means we will participate in those programs and property if they benefit us somehow. And if they don't benefit us, then we would not participate. And when we do that, we have disvalued the church as the people of God. Please believe that you need the church. I need the church because we need other believers. We need other brothers and sisters. We don't need property and programs. But we need one another. Jesus didn't die for temporary things. He died for people. He didn't die for property. He didn't die for programs. He died for people. His people. For you. For me. And we have to grow to appreciate the church as the people of God in community together. That is what we should value about the church as a member of the gospel league. And we started addressing this last week in Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13. There the, apostle, the apostle Paul wanted us to remember our past condition. He, he wanted the diverse Christians in Ephesus to, to value and to appreciate the church as the people of God. So he reminded us and them of our past condition. And in doing so, He wanted us to remember that there was a time in which we were not part of God's people. There was a time when we were outside of that. There was a time when we did not have community. There was a time when we did not know Jesus. So he wanted us to remember that so that we can gain a better appreciation once we have it now. So today we're going to continue to look at the church as a member of the Gospel League. So open your Bibles to Ephesians 2. Verses 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, 
you who were once for all have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being drawn together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is God's word. Please pray with me and for me. Lord, as we come to your truth, as we come to your holy word, we don't come lightly. We don't come lightly. We don't approach your word, Lord, like we approach just a regular text. This is the very word of God that you spoke through the, through the writers of the Bible, Lord, that you were inspired by them through your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, as, as we come, Lord, we come in humility, come with a teachable spirit, come dependent upon the Holy Spirit to help us have understanding and to help us apply what your word says to our lives, to our families, to all that we do day in and day out, Lord, as Christians in America. So, Lord, we don't just need a, a good motivational talk. We don't need a, to, to be emotionally ramped up, Lord. We need a word from you that would pierce our heart, that would encourage us, that would convict us, that would challenge us, that would lead us to repentance if we need to do that. So, Holy Spirit, nothing gets done apart from you. Nothing gets done apart from you. We need you, Holy Spirit, to come, be the Spirit, be the Spirit, and use the word to minister to us today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. As a valued member of the Gospel League, the church offers community. A covenant community. That's what the church offers you. That's one of the things that came out of last week's sermon, that the church offers community to those who come into the church. When you come to faith in Jesus, you are part of a community. And you need this community. I need this community. And within this community, there is unity. There should be unity. And there should be diversity within that community. And that's what we're going to talk about, begin talking about today. And so Paul himself does this before us. He, he begins by addressing what hinders and threatens our unity and diversity in the church. There, there are some things that hinders and threatens the unity and diversity within the body of Christ. And that is our differences. Our differences. Our differences can divide us. They can. And they do. I mentioned last week that the believers in Ephesus, they were a diverse group of believers. Diverse group of people. 
They came from different backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, different education levels, different economic status, different nationalities. And these types of differences can be a a, a source of division within the church, among God's people. And this was the case in the church in Ephesus. But what about our church? What about the church in America? Are there divisions? What do you think? What do you see day in and day out? You see, there were Gentile and Jewish Christians in the Ephesus church. Jewish and Gentile believers. And there were divisions created among them. There were differences among them. And the Apostle Paul highlights one of those differences in verse 8. He says to the Gentiles, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh were called the uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by human hands. Circumcision was a major difference between the Jews and and Gentiles, and even the Jews and Gentile Christians. It was a major issue in the early church. Paul even dealt with with, with with Peter in Galatians. There were camps in the earliest church. The camps were divided into two groups. The circumcision group, which are the Jewish Christians, the uncircumcision group, the Gentile Christians. Now let me ask you, which group had the privilege? Which group was privileged and which group wasn't? Which group was seen as special and which group wasn't? What do you think? The Jews, the privileged group, the Gentiles were not. Paul says to them, you were called the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision. The Gentiles didn't call themselves that. It was a term placed on them by the Jews. The word uncircumcision was not a term of endearment. It was not a term of respect. It was not one of acceptance and embrace. It was not one of love. It was one of rejection, shame, judgment, discrimination, segregation. The uncircumcision group is seen as less than the circumcision group. This is happening in the church. It ain't happening out there. It's happening within this church. And we all know circumcision is important to the Jewish community. There's a historical and covenantal reasons for that. Circumcision was given by Yahweh to the people of Israel as a sign and mark of his covenant with them. It was supposed to be a sign of his grace to them, his favor to them. But when you fast forward centuries later and you get to the, to, to the church now in Ephesus, we see that the Jewish community is using this differently than what it was intended to be. Now circumcision and their ethnicity and their religion has become a sign of their right standing with Yahweh. Because we do these things, we are right with Yahweh. It's no longer a sign of his grace to them. It's a sign of their own righteousness. And if you don't have them, then you're not as right as us. That's what is happening here. Circumcision, their ethnicity, and their religion has become the means of their right standing with Yahweh. They believe these three marks, these three things, grant them special privileges. So the circumcision group... It's a privileged group by birth. 
And the uncircumcision group is the non-privileged group because of their birth. Fleshly things were being used to determine worth, to determine status, value, and acceptance, and even dignity within this covenant community, within this church. Now, let me ask you, are the same things being used today? Are freshly things still being used today in the church to determine worth, value, status? Who gets to be an elder or deacon? Usually it's those who are educated, right? Who went to college, the businessman, businesswoman. Who, who, who are the leaders, usually? Who? If you've ever been looked down upon because of your race, because of your appearance, because of any medical issue from birth, then you can relate to what Paul is talking about here. These Gentiles didn't have any control over being born a Gentile. They were born that way. And it's being used against them within the church. And so if you've ever been looked down upon because of anything, you can relate to what he's saying here. John Piper says, keep in mind that there, that, that, that keep in mind here that the divide between Jews and Gentiles was no small or simple or shadow matter. It was huge and complex and deep. It was first a religious division. The Jews knew the one true God. The, the Jewish Christians knew his son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Then the divide was a cultural and social with a lot of ceremonies and practices like circumcision and dietary regulations and rules of cleanliness and so on. There were also designed to, to, there was also all designed to set the Jews apart from nations for a period of history to make clear the radical holiness of God. And then there was a racial divide. The bloodline going back to Jacob, not Esau, Isaac, not Ishmael, and Abraham. Do you see what Piper is saying? These differences, their religious differences, their cultural differences, their racial differences, was a source of division amongst these two groups of people in this church. And the same thing still happens today in the local church. We would divide with brothers and sisters over differences, cultural differences, racial differences, denominational differences. And what is happening here is that we will alienate and separate ourselves from brothers and sisters in Christ over differences, relational separation from other believers. I want each of you to to take a moment to, to look around the room. Take a moment, just look around for a moment. Just look around this room. Look at the people. Look at the faces. Look at their appearances. Look at the families. Look at the individuals. There are differences in this room. I know what you're saying on your breath. Well, okay, Captain Obvious, we know there are differences. I can see that. All of us here have our own past. We all have our own story. We all have different stories. There's different pain. There's, a different, there's different successes. There's different failures. There's different struggles, different family makeup, different brokenness, different church backgrounds. And all these differences can cause divisions within this church or any church. This can make the church. And when the church divides over differences, it makes church become like middle school. And you know what middle school is like. It's hard. Especially seventh grade. And so when the church begins to function like that, it's chaotic. There is no unity. There is division. The popular group, the unpopular group. We all have our own little cliques. 
our own little special group that we're part of within this one little church. And these differences can lead us to alienate and separate ourselves relationally from other believers. And we would break fellowship easily. And it's our sin that does this. Selfishness, self-righteousness, self-centeredness, our way is the right way, and a lack of love for other people. See, we will separate and alienate from people by nature. That's part of who we are as sinners. And these things come from our past condition. Because at one point, all of us, if you are a believer, are lost in your sins. And if you didn't know Jesus, and if you don't know Jesus, you're still lost. You have to come to faith in him. Surrender your life to him. That was me to have same faith in Jesus. And those of you who were here last week, you know, we talked about our past condition. There was a time when we did not have this community, a time when we did not, we were not part of the people of God. That's what Paul talks about in verses 11 and 12. He's saying these things to the Gentiles, but it can apply to anybody who doesn't know Jesus. Even the Jews who didn't know Jesus. So what that means is that being born into the church doesn't mean you are a believer. And for a Jew, just because a person is born into the Jewish community did not make them a believer. They still had to come to faith in Jesus. The same is true for us. Only faith in Christ makes a person right with God. Only thing that makes a person right with God is faith in Christ. And so do you know him? Do you know him? Have you confessed your sins to him and surrendered to him as your Lord and Savior? Paul says in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Near to what? Near to God and also to his community. You are not part of that. But do you believe it? This is always a question. I can preach this, say this all day long. But do you believe it? Do you value this? Do you appreciate the fact that you are part of God's community by the blood of Christ that covers your sins? And in that community, there should be unity. In that community, there will be differences. But those differences, if we're not careful, can divide us into camps, into groups. The late John Lennon wrote a song called Imagine. And some of you probably know this song. Uh, listen to some of these lyrics. It says, Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below. A sky above. Only sky above us. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. No religion to. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be one. That's a nice song, nice lyrics. And it's talking about giving peace a chance in the world in which we live in. Don't let our differences divide us. Don't let our differences destroy us. Give peace a chance. Communicates the ideal of one country, one people, one world. And can you imagine all the differences that, uh, that, that exist amongst people in the world, if they laid those differences aside for the sake of unity and diversity, what type of world we would be? But we know that won't ever happen because of Genesis 3. But imagine what it would be like. But this song, what this song communicates, should be inside the church. This ideal of peace. This ideal of being one. Should exist 
within the body of Christ. Not just in the lyrics of a song, but in the way we actually function. There should be peace. There should be oneness. There should be unity in the midst of our differences and diversity. Paul says in verse 14, for Jesus himself is our Now he's talking to Jews and Gentiles. For Jesus himself is our peace. White Christians, black Christians, Hispanic Christians, Latino Christians, Asian Christians, all of us together, Jesus himself is our peace. When our peace is found in our differences, then we divide. When our peace is found in our ethnicity, our politics, or or anything else other than Jesus, then those things become badges in which we will fight for. You see what he's saying here? What is your peace? People of God. Saints of God. What is your peace? What's your identity? Where is your purpose lie? Is it in those things? Is it in your blackness, your whiteness, your money, your politics, your education? What is it? What is it you think makes you special? What do you think makes you have privilege? What is that thing? And whatever it is, you will fight for that, and you will devour with people over it to hold on to it. It cannot be anything other than Jesus. That is what he's saying. That Jesus himself, that's what emphasis is our peace. Our differences can divide us, but our peace mediates our differences and unifies us. That's what Jesus does. He stands between the differences. My difference is your differences. It says, we're going to have peace over these. And next week, I'm going to flesh all that out next week, what that looks like. R.B. Kuyper, in his book, The Glorious Body of Christ, writes, For us to be at one with those who are like us is easy. It's easy. It's easy to be one with those who, but it's not easy to be with one with those who are unlike us. He says the only way that can happen, the only way that we can be at one with those who are different than us, there must be a, be a profound unity that underlines our surface differences. A profound unity that underlines our surface differences. And who is that? Who is that pro, profound unity that underlines our differences? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Why, why is our vision for our cross-cultural church is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, to glorify Jesus? Because if Jesus ain't in it, we ain't going to be one. I can, I can give you a, a lot of fancy visions for our cross-cultural church. But if Jesus ain't the center, it ain't going to happen. We can fake it. We can look like it on Sunday. But if Jesus ain't really the center of this church, then we ain't really one. We're going through the motions of it. So the world can say, oh, that cool village church, they got black people and white people worshiping together. <laughs> I don't want to be a cool church. I want to be a church that really loves one another. We're going to learn a lot about ourselves when we have this class on gospel and race. We're going to see how unified and one we really are. Because if we truly are, we can have hard discussions and don't break fellowship. We're going to see how much we love one another cross-culturally. Because if we truly love one another and Jesus is truly the center of this church, then we can say, I disagree with you about that, brother, but I still love you. Not, I disagree with you, I don't want to talk to you no more. (laughs) We're going to see. 
just how much Jesus is the center of this church. I ain't trying to scare you. I'm just saying, if sin comes up, it's meant so that we can repent of it. Not so we can shame and guilt one another. Not so we can shame and guilt one another. Because this morning we had, I had a meeting with my team about this class. Because all of us need to have self-awareness of the fact that in all of us, all of us, all of us, even myself, we're prejudiced when it comes down to it in some form of fashion. If you deny that, then you don't really have a good understanding of your sin. Your button hasn't been pushed yet. If that button is pushed, then it'll come out. All of us are. Genesis 3 happened. All of us, by nature, are prejudiced against other people. Bottom line, we hate it in other people because we know it's true about us too. Your button hadn't been pushed yet. If that right button is pushed, it will come out. Now, I'm not saying this to guilt you. I'm saying this to be honest so you can repent of it. Just so you can be honest with yourself. Have self-awareness. That's the point here. Because whatever you confess, the enemy can't hold over you. The enemy can't hold over you. So Jesus is the underlining unity that draws us together in community. He is our peace. And this table, I love the fact that we're having communion today because this table is a reminder of that very fact. Jesus is the profound unity that unifies us together. And his death, his life, his resurrection is a reminder of that. This table is a reminder of that. Because if the cross, I put this on Facebook this week, if the cross cannot bring us together, there ain't nothing ever will. You got to know that. There ain't a conference you can go to. There ain't a celebrity preacher you can quote. There ain't a book you can read that can bring us together if, you, if the cross of Jesus ain't enough. If what Jesus did on the cross is not enough, to bring black people and white people, Hispanic people, black people all together to fellowship in one body, then nothing can do it. Period. Period. So it always brings us back to this one point. Is there something we need to confess to Jesus when it comes to this issue? This table is a reminder that Jesus went to the cross for all your sins. Real sins real sins. He went to the cross for the sins you hold on to. And by his blood we all are brought near in community together into fellowship, into one body. And whenever we have this meal, it's meant to feed you spiritually. It's meant to equip you spiritually, to nourish you spiritually. And so I want you to spend a couple moments just meditating, even if it's repenting, asking the Holy Spirit to show you are the areas of my life in which I really don't love people well cross-culturally? There's the areas of my life in which I do discriminate against people and I don't see it. Show me my sin. Not so I can feel guilty, but so I can repent of it and be set free of it. That's the point. To be set free of it. Now, if you don't know Jesus and you haven't come to saving faith in him, I'm glad that you're here. And if you have questions about what it means to to know Jesus, please see me after the service and I will share the good news of the gospel with you. And I can tell you how you can have a relationship with Christ.
Now, parents, if the kids that are with you have not been welcomed to the table by the church that you attend, we ask you to abstain for the elements. Now, kids, now, little kids, can I have your attention? Little kids, are you looking? Are you looking at Pastor Alex? Okay. I want you to look at the meal that your parents are going to receive. Because this meal for you is a reminder of what Jesus did for each and every one of you. Jesus died for your sins. You're going to hear a lot of things in the world. you hear a lot of things in school about Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, he died for each and every one of you. So that you can have a relationship with God. So that you one day can partake of this meal with your family. And it's my prayer your pastor is one day that will come true. That you get to take this meal with us. As, uh, as, a, as, a, as a part of the covenant community of God. So please observe what we do today. Let it call the officers forward that's going to assist.